The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hello and welcome to this edition of Stockhead's Rock Yarns. Today we're delighted to host David Quinn-Limon, who's the Managing Director of Orobanda Mining, and after today's extraordinarily strong profit announcement, the very delighted Chairman of Gold and Copper Producer Silver Lake Resources. Welcome, David, to the uh, Rock Yarn. Hi, Peter. Thanks very much and great to be here. David, uh, can you please give, a, give the listener a brief history of your career, uh, the, the path of your career that has led us to Orobanda today? Yeah, sure. My background is in mining industry, uh, mining engineer by profession. I started and went to the School of Mines in Kalgoorlie and then moved from Kalgoorlie out to Western Mining's training ground at Cambalda. was out there in the Cambalda industry for uh, the best part of eight years in the nickel and gold sector before going down to Central Norseman Gold Corporation for another year. Left at 1987, so... A good time for some and not a good time for others with the 1987 market crash to start my own business and have been in the mining industry actively since. With regard to Orobanda, uh, Orobanda was uh, formerly Eastern Goldfields and ran into some troubles in 2017, 2018 and was subsequently put into administration. And having worked with some of the administrators that were appointed, I was asked to come back and uh, work on a workout plan with the creditors and the administrators. So that's what led me to Orobanda going back just over two years ago now. Okay, so that's been a, a rapid uh, revamp of, a, of the project. And so what's the, the current status of the Orobanda's David Hurstgold project with respect to establishing the engineering, you know, the mining services, as, as well as putting into place and settling on uh, employment of key operating personnel? Yeah, sure. Look, we got back onto the ASX 28th of June last year, having raised around 30-odd million dollars to satisfy the creditors' trust with a plan to undertake a detailed resource definition drilling program on a number of key projects at Davyhurst and build up a resource and a reserve base that would allow us to come back into production for a five-year period. And we've done that over the course of the last year. And recently, we just capped off that with a $55 million capital raise to allow us to get back into production. So as we sit here today, we're now firmly on the path towards a Q1 production start, calendar year 2021. Okay, so that's uh, that's moving ahead and you're, you're employing key geologists and metallurgists and so forth as we go. Yes, we have a team of about 45 people at the moment and we're in an active recruitment phase. So all of the key people we now have on board for the restart. So we're into uh, recruiting for the main body of people. And um, David, the mining fleet, when's that uh, mobilising or is it mobilising now? Uh, We're just in the final stages of evaluation of an open pit and underground mining tenders. So we expect that that crew will start mobilising towards the end of September. 
Okay. So, David, the David Hurst project, as you said, is a revamp of a previous uh, mining venture at that site, and you've got a 1.2 million tonne per annum uh, processing plant there. Why did the previous mining venture fall over, and how does Orobanda plan to succeed this time round? Yeah, historically, uh, the previous iteration of Eastern Goldfields was quite severely undercapitalized, and it hadn't progressed to the point where it had an operable or executable mine plan. It did spend a lot of money on refurbishing the process plant, work that was never completed, and it basically ran out of ore at startup. So the plant was living, or the operation was living from hand to mouth right at the startup. And what we've done is put in place this program of defining a well-defined block of ore reserves at five different locations so that we have an executable five-year plan. So that's right. the primary difference. Yeah, right. That that gives you a bit of run rate. So uh, while we're talking about that, can you give us a rundown on the mining reserves and expected annual gold production over the initial five and a bit years of, of operation that you had have ahead of you? Yeah, sure. We have just over 6 million tonnes of ore to go through, which is just over five years' worth of mining processing life. Our average grade is going to be around the 2.4 grams. We expect that we'll peak at about 90,000 recovered ounces a year with an average of about 80,000 ounces of produced and sold gold over the five-year life that we currently have. And what do you th- what do you think your uh, cash operating costs will be? I mean, I guess it'll vary year to year, but you know, roughly in a range of what? At the moment, we're targeting in the fourteen to fifteen hundred dollar all in sustaining basis. Okay, so that should give you uh, a current gold price about a one thousand three hundred dollar free uh, headroom. Oh, look, the gold price is very kind to us at the moment. So yes, we'll take that any day of the week. So, David, do you think the company will uh, hedge forward some of the gold or are you just happy to let shareholders get the benefit of the gold price no matter what it does? Thanks, yeah. We've always considered that some strategic insurance hedging would be viable for Orobanda, but in the current environment, we would look to make sure that we recovered our capital investment in the project by way of some locked-in pricing. What does that mean in terms of ounces? Probably in the order of thirty to 50,000 ounces over a couple of year lifespan. So around 20 to 30% of our production over that period, we would seek to find some sort of a hedging structure for. Yeah, you would be painfully aware that a lot of uh, existing uh, gold producers, the Northern Stars and, dare I suggest, uh, Silver Lake, are selling a lot of gold at $300 an ounce less than the current price. So uh, uh, that's uh, something that you'd also have to consider. Yes, indeed. And a similar philosophy with Silver Lake it's, uh, and its insurance hedging. When you yeah, take indeed. on board a large capital commitment to make sure you protect that investment and we would look similarly at uh, such a process for Aurobanda. So, David, looking at the ore bodies that you're tackling here, your background as chair of Silver Lake should prepare you for the sort of high-grade mining, uh, both open pit and underground, sometimes narrow vein ore bodies. Uh, can you tell us about the proposed mix of ores from both open pit 
and underground on the uh, project area and, and how the mining teams and skills will be positioned uh, on your project? Yeah, sure. Our deposits have a range of different types of loads. So we have from very narrow, discrete, high-grade loans, loads, such as the Riverina main load. Uh, the Murchison and Reggie's loads are wider, more dispersed loads up there and slightly lower grade. So different techniques of drilling and blasting and recovery of these are in play. The underground side of our operations at Golden Eagle, uh, we're targeting to recover uh, in a biotite schist environment uh, some higher grade margins on this biotite schist, both on the foot wall and the hanging wall of it. And with that, we should be able to keep our, our grade and production profile to around the three and a half to four and a half grams. So very much standard operating techniques for narrow vein, open pit and underground operations, followed up with some slightly larger machinery where you can afford to put them in and get some economies of scale out of it for the wider, more dispersed zones in the open pits. And so, David, I understand quite a bit of that initial underground ore has basically been developed on. So you, a lot of the uh, costs of mining have been absorbed by the previous uh, owners of that asset and, and that gives you a bit of a free run and, and to see uh, if you can find more of that high grade as the uh, ore body continues uh, and is, hasn't been closed off. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Eastern Goldfields did do a large amount of development at Golden Eagle. The decline was developed down to nearly five levels below the uh, surface. Three of those levels were fully developed. The fourth level partially developed and the fifth level, no horizontal development taken place. So we do, as you say, get quite a large free kick from that. And there's around 140 odd thousand tonnes fully developed there now. Fantastic. So that'll be a little bit of, uh, I think, you know, your average grade of 2.4 grams a tonne these days, that's seen as being pretty high grade. So you've got a, uh, a fair bit of, uh, of fat in the system there I mean, to uh, underground mining, of course, more expensive than open pit mining generally, but uh, having that um, free kick with the, uh, the development already there, I guess, uh, gives you uh, a bit of a, a running start. So what's your current expectation for uh, testing of the crushing and grinding circuits and you know, turning over and establishing the, the leach tanks and commissioning of the gravity circuit at the, uh, at, at, at the uh, processing plant itself? Yeah, sure. Well, the GR engineering team are on site already. They mobilised the site a couple of weeks ago. So their program will take them through to December to dry commission, complete the remedial works program and dry commission the plant. So we expect by the time we get to the end of December through the Christmas period, we'll have completed the remedial works program and be preparing to start wet commissioning from early January onwards. Our target is to start feeding rut of mine ore towards the back end of January. Okay, so you'll basically have all the pumps and impellers and everything tested and you'll be starting to put water into the tanks uh, in uh, January. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and then first ore uh, going in February. Is that the sort of expectation? Yeah, towards the back end of January, early February is our okay. expectation and schedule at the moment. So first bar of coal coming out sometime in February, March, that sort of 
time frame. That would certainly be our our hope. So uh, I'm sure, David, the listener will be interested to know that through this uh, wireless mine development process is going on, the company is maintaining an ongoing exploration program and you've obviously been busy the last two years to develop the uh, resources and reserves that are ahead of you. Um, I think there's just over a million ounces of resources and nearly 600,000 ounces of uh, reserves, Um, uh, especially at Riverina South, which was your recent announcement there uh, on potential. Can you tell us about potential additional uh, zones at at Riverina South? And also I noticed there were some high-grade zones there at Riverina itself and and some of the deeper Riverina South. Does, Does that have underground potential going forward, do you think? And what about the other... Uh, potential undergrounds at Callian, Riverina and Wahi? Yeah, sure. Look, the Riverina South area, that trend extends for about 1.2 kilometres to the south of the currently designed Riverina pit. And we've done two phases of RC drilling through that area, completed about 10,000 metres of drilling. We've identified some strong trends going to the south from the pit Uh, both immediately to the south of the pit and at a prospect called British Lion, located approximately one kilometre to the south of that again. And we're currently planning a third phase of drilling for that area. The results, as you say, are pretty encouraging. There's three loads that come together in this area, the Riverina main load, the Murchison load and the Reggie's load seem to come together in this region. And it has been quite a, a strong target for us in the, in the past year. And now we're starting to turn some effort towards it. We were expecting that we might be in a position to publish a, an updated resource in regard to Riverina South in the next four to six weeks. So that's work in progress at the moment. Uh, how that might turn out in terms of an extension to the open pit, we'll wait and see. But certainly the results are encouraging at the moment. Some of the drilling that we've done there has also been slightly deeper in that it has gone into areas beneath the base of the current pit. So we've had some quite good extensions and intersections in the Riverina underground area. You might have seen from some of the previous press announcements that there is quite a block of underground ore that sits there. We're still working on that from a a resource and a reserve delineation point of view. But again, hopeful that we'll get something to the point where it justifies uh, going underground to keep going in the Riverina area once we finish with the open pits. The other areas you mentioned, like Callian and Wahi, and again, the Golden Eagle extensions down plunge are also high on the agenda. So we're looking at uh, how we might be able to bring some of those high grade tons forward as part of our production mix none of those areas or none of the tonnages from those areas are incorporated into the current mine plan. So we are actively looking at how we might be able to bring them forward. So as you get some cash flow from operations through to, uh, 2021, you'll have additional cash to to go in and try and extend those underground zones and also uh, uh, convert resources into reserves at Riverina South. Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, you mentioned Callian before. 
Kelly in our deepest hole there is around 400 odd vertical metres below surface and the deepest workings from the old mine that were there are about 200 metres below surface. We've got a number of intersections in that area between, so it's certainly an attractive area for it. And we'll look at targeting some of those as part of our ongoing program. So, uh, David, um, where do you think the, the where, are you going to start mining at Riverina or one of the other ore bodies? Uh, we'll be starting at Riverina and at Golden Eagle at the same time. So our primary target is to make sure that we keep the process plant full. So that means about 100,000 tonnes of ore a month is what we need to mine and transport to the processing plant. So that's what our DFS and restart schedule is based on. It's going to be a pretty tight schedule then to actually come up with a reserve and put a pit around it over in a sort of 18-month time frame to, to maintain operations at Riverina. You might have to sort of demob and then come back there later, do you think? Yeah, sure. That's an opportunity that we have. We also have, as you mentioned before, a very kind gold price at the moment. So we did all our feasibility study work at $2,100 an ounce. We're certainly looking at the moment, actively looking at how we might be able to optimise uh, those pits in light of the higher gold price. So that's okay. the work stream that's going ahead at the moment. And get a couple of hundred thousand tonnes of more mineralisation. Where do you think the, the next 200,000 ounces of gold will come from, David, for the to give you years six and seven? I uh, look quite hopeful that we'll be able to get some more in all of these areas, Riverina Underground. Riverina extensions. We have some other operations that are up in the northern part of the tenements. We do have quite a large tenement holding that extends over 200 kilometres from north to south. And places like Mount Ida, where we have a resource of 140,000 ounces at 13 and a bit grams, uh, is a very good sort of starting point. We've run a couple of exploration programs up there during the course of last year, so we'll continue with that. We're also looking in the uh, Young Australia and Peachtree area, which sits between Riverina and the process plant. Uh, you might have seen that we've had some pretty good success at one of our more regional exploration targets at a place called Flame, which was uh, first first drilling program intersects of great holes down there. So there's a raft of different exploration prospects that we have that we're actively working up at the moment. And so uh, finally, David, uh, can you tell the listener about the exploration potential for the high-grade mineralisation along the Mulline Trend, which is just about 10 kilometres southwest of Riverina? Yeah, sure. That was uh, the Mulline is the, uh, the Mulline Rose Trend, goes from the Lady Gladys Pit through and to uh, maybe a couple of kilometres south of Riverina. It is a known high-grade trend. We've run a couple of programs of RC drilling through there and come up with some good results. Uh, certainly on the agenda to keep following up those results that we've got with this next round of regional work that we're planning for this year. So, David, you're going to be very busy uh, once the cash starts to come in the door. You'll have no shortage of places to spend it on brownfields, um, greenfields uh, and, you know, resource extensions. So uh, we wish you well for that. And uh, I think the, uh, you, you know, you seem to be well funded. You've got all the money uh, in the bank enough to get the project 
up and running. And so by uh, March, we should be seeing big shiny bars of gold coming out of Daviehurst. And um, uh, everyone will be looking to see how that, uh, the, your costs are going and how the plant is, uh, is uh, operating. Yes, we'll all sort of be working hard towards achieving that early 2021 calendar year start update and uh, the first bar i'll be there for it <laughs> good okay well thank you david for coming in today uh, to the stockhead rock yarn and so uh, david quinlivan from uh, managing director of orobanda mining uh, a, a really great chat today david with you yeah peter thanks very much and great to be here